Hey everyone, it's been a crazy few weeks with everything in the world, and I hope you're all doing well and are staying safe. I wanted to officially kick off a few post-politics weeks for this show. To hear those genuinely astounding conversations that got this podcast started off. This week, I have just that kind of story for you. My guest, Natasha, told me a bit about her life, and then how she met her husband. And, well, the whole thing was an incredibly wild ride from there. Hey, Natasha, thanks for making time. Can I ask, uh, where in the world are you dialing in from? I'm in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia right now. How are things there at the moment? with COVID-19 and the weather and everything? COVID's pretty under control. They've extended the, they call it the MCO, the movement control order, the recovery phase of it until end of December, actually. So I guess they're prepared to, you know, have a conservative kind of mindset until the end of the year to make sure that everybody's safe, as safe as can be, I guess. Yeah. When, when they did the original lockdown, And when they sort of did the MCO to begin with, were you like shocked by that? Were you with anybody at the time when you were doing it? What was the experience like? Yeah, I was pretty shocked because um, my husband and I, we only planned to be in Malaysia for Chinese New Year. And then right, that was so that was at the end of January. And then right after that, we thought, oh, it's pretty hot here in Kuala Lumpur. So let's go up to the highlands, the Cameron Highlands, where it's much cooler. We were ready to only rent the apartment for a month or two and like the lockdown happened in march right so we were up there for like a lot more time than we intended to and we were up there and my family was in kl my brother and my mom so we like there was the inter-border restriction too so i actually didn't see them even though we were in the same country and everything for for quite a few months but i think i guess for me and my husband we, we took it in stride because our work is online so in terms of our daily life, it didn't mm. impact it so much because we work from home, we work from our computer, as long as we had Wi-Fi, it was okay. But Yeah, it's, it's definitely still really crazy, even though that feels like it's been March for six months now. Yeah, um. <laughs> that's a good way to put it, March forever. So your husband and you, uh, are you both from Malaysia originally? Where are you from originally? Yeah, actually none of us are from Malaysia. Mm. I was born in Hong Kong. I was raised in Canada. My husband is Swiss, and but now we're digital nomads, so we're kind of homeless. How did you meet your husband? We met at the London Heathrow Airport. I think that was 10 years ago. We met at the airport? Yes. Like on purpose or? No, we did not meet on purpose. We didn't know each other. He was coming from California, trying to go home to Switzerland for Christmas. I was still studying in Canada and I wanted to go to Paris to see my aunt. So we were both transferring, weren't supposed to see each other, meet each other at all. And then everything was canceled because of a mini, 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 tiny bit of snow. So (laughs) there were like huge piles of luggage 
at Heathrow because imagine the amount of planes coming in and nothing leaving. It was crazy. And then at some point, I found myself just in the arrivals area. And I, it was my first time in Europe. So I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing in the UK? I'm not supposed to be here. And I was like, okay, calm down. Everyone's freaking out. I was like, okay, grab another bite to eat and then call my aunt again, who's who I'm visiting. So I was about to take a seat, right? Even though I was like, oh, I should grab a bite. But then I saw a free seat. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take it. And then my mom's voice like ran in my head. It was like my mom's programming. It's like, don't leave your luggage with strangers. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I, I can't take it, you know? So I was about to abandon that seat. I turned around and there was like a huge family coming towards me. And I'm like, wait a sec. This is like crisis time. Like everybody's stranded there. Everybody's trying to find a place to sit, sleep, stay overnight, try to yeah. fly out soon. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I need this, you know, seat. So I put my luggage down. There's a guy who was sleeping, kind of just nodding off. There was a guy who was awake. And I asked the guy who was awake, hey, can you just look after my luggage? I'll be right back. I'm going to grab a bite. So I came back and the dude who was nodding off, that's my husband. Well, that, he's not my husband, but that's oh, wow. that's the person who I met. So I was ready to just walk away and never, ever meet him. And it was really strange because, like, you know, you reflect back and in hindsight, it's like I was about to leave. I literally turned around, you know. So basically entirely out of like utter and, and total chance that there was a seat open, a family was coming that stressed you out someone happened to be nodding off. So you talked to a different person, but then that person nodding off ended up being the person you talked to, which is not how I thought the story was going to go. Um, and he's Swiss. So he lived in Switzerland at the time and you were in Canada at the time. So what happened after that? He was studying in the U S for a while and I was, yeah, I was doing Canada studying things like that. We didn't think that we were going to keep in touch, to be honest. We exchanged numbers. It was really nice and everything because we were stranded together for three days. So afterwards, we kept in touch via email and then chat. And over time, feelings start to develop, but then we weren't sure. So then we decided, okay, we actually have to see each other in real life and see if this is real. And when we did, we did feel something. So that was kind of the start of the long distance relationship, which lasted about like two and a half to three years, which was a pretty long time for a long distance. Yeah, I'm cautious of long distance in our like modern lives. It's, we have all the technology, but it's almost as if more access to the person makes it weirdly more difficult because you feel a bit of obligation to be able to set aside your mornings or your evenings, especially when you're across continents. I haven't had a long distance relationship in ages, but I do know talking to my family in the US, it's like, I need to call them in the evening. I might catch them as they're having lunch or something. And it's always just a bit of a, a funky time. We're never in the same sort of mindset. How did you guys make long distance work? Like, did you do anything specific or have any creative ideas or? Well, for us, we did talk a lot, but I feel like just because you talk a lot doesn't necessarily mean that you grow much closer. But I think quite early on, there was this realization, at least for me, that I met this dude at the airport. We spent three days together. Then I saw him, I don't know, 10 days in Vancouver when he visited me. So like we would see each other three, four times if we're lucky in a year. And of course it was like very short, but we would be together like 24 hours, that kind of thing. So when we were, you know, in, in this long distance relationship, that meant I had to trust what he was telling me. Like if he said, oh, today I went out with my friends and then, you know, I went to work and this and that. I just have to take his word for it. There can't 
be much space for distrust or doubt. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy because you don't have any evidence. You don't, you don't share his lifestyle, his routine at all. In a way, you're mentally connected and you share the time that you talk and chat. But in a way, you're not in his life. So uh, really early on, I, I realized like, okay, I just have to trust this dude. I just have to trust if I want to invest in this, if I want to have a genuine connection with this guy and grow this relationship. So that, I guess, jump-started our trust at a pretty strong level. And the fact that we met in a really high-stress environment, that also up your trust quite a bit. But then in our relationship, I think he was also super adamant on communication and making sure that no topics kind of swept under the carpet. Like, he really tried to make sure that, you know, we talked about issues because, you know, in person, if your partner is going through something or something's bothering them, you can kind of pick it up. Even if they don't tell you, you can pick it up. But on the phone or on chat, you can hide so much. I'm always cautious of like having a a Zoom conversation that's very serious, for example, in, in our times now, because the simplest thing like crossing your arms um, you know, you and I are talking to each other from across the world. I see like your shoulders, you see my shoulders. So if I'm fidgeting on my hands, you have no idea if my, my leg is twitching, if I'm nervous, like it's it's so much harder to understand these interpersonal characteristics. And we've just chatted and met, but for someone that you're, you know, dating and, and hoping to be intimate with and all that, I, I can't imagine that it's really easy to read those cues. So in the relationship, besides just being really vocal with each other, saying, hey, here's how I feel, here's what I'm thinking, because those are really good steps. Was there anything that you thought was like really creative or perhaps even just a mistake that you guys did to try to make it work? Hmm. I think the true colors of who we are as lovers or as partners really came out when we moved in together. Because, you know, when you're in a long-distance relationship, you like you have, I don't know, a few minutes, half an hour, one hour with your partner. And that's it. You bring out the best. You talk about stuff all exciting. You share, you cry, whatever. And then it's done, right? And you move on with your day. And you're probably thinking about them all day. But when you move in together, then all your little habits and everything else comes along. Like you're really melting your two worlds into one. And that's where I felt like we made, you know, a lot of mistakes, we learned a lot. We really learned what relationships are about, how to make them work. But we needed to be together. We needed to be together almost as if to press each other's buttons. Like it was so much better access then, like to to trigger one another or to annoy one another or to, you know, it, it's like the perfect environment when you're living long term with your partner to bring out both the, both the best and the worst in each other. And that was mm-hmm. definitely like what we went through. So long distance was about three years and then you, one of you moved somewhere or where did, did he move or what happened there? I moved, I moved from Canada and I moved to Zurich to Switzerland. Wow. Okay. So that's a big change. Zurich. Yeah. Zurich is a very different place than Vancouver. It's like a sleepy little town almost in ways. Yeah. And how people um, understand friendships is very different in North America. Extremely mm-hmm. different. Did you find it interesting to like move to his country? It was interesting because throughout my university, I was thrown around. It really felt like I was thrown around into different internships. 
So like each semester was about four months. And but then within the four months of school, of university, you were trying to find your next internship. So you didn't know which company, which organization and where. So I, I was like hopping around and, and working for this person. And then next month, like, oh, okay, I guess I'm moving there. So I actually moved a crazy amount um, before I moved to Switzerland. And so when I got there, I got really accustomed to like, okay, grow roots real fast. Like you have to you have to grow roots here. Meaning, I didn't want to be friends or make friends only with his friends. Mm-hmm. That would make me very dependent on him and his whole social network, everything. So I knew that I had to learn the language. <laughs> Do you speak German? Yeah, I'm oh, I'm quite nice. functional in it. So I had to learn that really quickly. I had to make my own friends kind of build my life find my place in this world because it definitely was a different culture different language different people but I knew that for me to be happy it wasn't just me melt like molding into his world I gotta make space for my friends and my world here too yeah I think people make that mistake a lot when they move especially with a partner moving to another country even if you've known each other beforehand and one is not from the same place like really really easy for me to see someone just thinking that the partner is going to be the whole world there and not making really concerted efforts to reach out so talk me to through the relationship so you're you're in zurich three years of long distance down really impressive you probably felt like you could do anything from that point so how was living together for the first time we were really happy at the beginning you're just so excited to finally be in one place so we were just still very much in love and very much just happy to finally like kind of reach that spot. Yay, we're no longer in long distance. But quite quickly after that, um, especially when we moved into our own place, there was just a lot of power struggle. I think that would be the best way to phrase that. Um, I used to be like an extremely controlling kind of person, not like in a narcissistic kind of like intentional, oh, I, I, I need power sort of way, but it's more like, I need things a certain way so I feel comfortable. But that meant that, you know, within the household and things like that, I was often criticizing him, nagging at him. I guess for him, certain boundaries were crossed too because we weren't bringing out the best in each other anymore. And we were starting to feel like he was, for example, starting to feel like he's not enough for me because he mm-hmm. could, never, could never get things right. Whatever he did to help me, like, oh, let me cut the bell pepper. And then he brings it over. I'm like, oh, come on. Did you have to drip all the water all across the, I don't know, floor? Or, you know, just nothing he could do was good enough. And, you know, of course, he was struggling with that. Though I was vocal about household stuff and complaining about stuff that I felt like he didn't get right, I was I was struggling to actually speak up about things that bothered me. Mm-hmm. I was really afraid of conflict. So, you know, when we were together for a while, you're going to have your disagreements, you're going to have your differences. But I didn't know how to address that. Like, I didn't even see it as an issue so my strategy back then was to just to say yes to everything because I was really scared of losing him. Like my husband has a very, very um, high priority on freedom, like free will, freedom. That's, that's really important to him. So I knew that like if I said no to certain things, he wouldn't take it so well. 
I didn't know that it could be a conversation, like 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 a adult conversation between two people, two people to actually work this out. I didn't know it then that that was an option. I just thought, well, I either say yes or he's unhappy. Mm. Well, like what? Even when we were in long distance, there were at the be- when was it? I can't tell you the exact timeline, but at certain points we had like a half open relationship, and so it was me who was like, oh, you know. You're not actually physically here with me, but then I feel like I want someone physically close to me for intimacy and all that kind of stuff. So then we agreed to have an open relationship. But then at some point I was like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable with you with somebody else. So he's like, okay, fine. It can be a half open relationship. It's half open for me. And then when we moved in together first, you know, you know, when we moved in, we were together. It's like, oh, yay, we're in a close relationship. This is all committed and stuff. But over time, we were really into self-development. Really, we, we were really into spirituality, but that became a bug. It became mm-hmm. a mental bug at some time because we were questioning things like, oh, what is love? Um, should I only so deeply love only one person or can love be for everyone or like my body? Am I, is it like, if it's sacred, okay, then I respect it, but why why is it for just my partner? And so we were in this place where we're like, oh, we're so spiritual that we're going to explore what love means and we're going to share as much love as we can, which we thought meant that we love more than just our partner. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it led us down this really unfulfilling, very destructive path where we were seeking out pleasure. We were seeking out adventure, but it wasn't satisfying. We could have put that time and energy to each other and actually built something really beautiful. So we were really caught up in the pleasure trap and what this crazy spiritual ideal of what love could mean and chasing all these things and just getting further and further and further away from like what we're about. I'm I'm fascinated by the idea of the pleasure seeking and then how that made like, because you said you had a bit of an open relationship in long distance, and it almost sounds as if that happened again. Um, or maybe it was polyamorous or something. But these are all things that I don't believe the average person has experienced. For us, it seems like a bit of odd, and this is a weird term to use, but it seems like fantasy. It seems like the like kind of stressful, I could never do it, but there's some sort of luster, some rose-colored glasses of the idea of being in that sort of situation. But you've made it sound like a combination of just it, it not being fulfilling and, and potentially some trust issues at some points. And, you know, what does that do for you guys as a relationship? When, when you now look back on everything, and now I'm assuming you're in like a closed one-on-one relationship, when you look back, does it ever come back either the, the desire to do it or perhaps even just the history of it in, in a bad fight, like, oh, well, in you know 2008, you did this and it was really upsetting to me. I want to make it really clear that no one ever, ever lied or went behind anybody's back. Like this was all done in complete transparency, which might even be more shocking. Like, <laughs> what? You agree to that? But we did. We thought that's what we wanted, right? So although sometimes you know, we had this underlying thing, like, we're going to be 100% honest. That doesn't mean that every single thing he did, I knew the details of, because I didn't ask or I wasn't interested in knowing everything. But in terms of how that impacts us now, there was a breaking point that needed to happen. Otherwise, there would be no us right now. What is the breaking point? At some point, I was like, 
so tired so stressed and I was looking at the extra sign I was like looking at like okay if we were to split up because because I can't handle this anymore how would my life look like I was like oh my goodness I'm, I live in Switzerland it's like his country like do I stay here I don't, it's hit. like like thinking about divorce is really hard because you're literally splitting so many structures not just your physical home your social structures finances there's so many pieces so the moment I was considering that it became really big it was like whoa what are you going to choose is there even a way to work things out so you don't have to leave you know and that was when I realized I actually had to tell my husband how I really felt because until that time I was really good at saying yes and I was really good at putting up with stuff I mean superficially I was good at that but deep down I was hurting so badly I didn't want to take away his freedom or you know take away everything that I said yes to it's like backpedaling like oops I didn't mean that you know but I said it right I said it myself I put myself into this situation and I realized what a mess I put myself into it's like no this is not sustainable I can't do this I'm so unhappy so the moment I actually told my husband like I can't do it. I just can't do it. It hurts so badly. That's when something clicked in him too. Like he actually saw the impact of everything that was happening around us. And he's like, okay, yeah, this has to stop. Like this, this is done. And from that point on, that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Because from then we had to, we went to see somebody. We went on a seven day retreat. It was like a retreat where we were both there, but we didn't, really work on the marital stuff together like we were on our own but on the last day we came back together and on the last day it was one of the hardest conversations emotionally of my life and I've been coaching people then women about self-love ironic haha but you know <laughs> like then but uh, that was the hardest conversation because we literally sat down together and we honestly told each other I'm so sorry because I hurt you so badly i i actually understand how much i've been hurting you yeah can i ask real quick first of all what what is your husband's name yachim yachim okay um you said you're kind of like a, a coach like a woman's um self-help coach coach and self-love what do you what do you do now and what does he do now mm-hmm. we actually uh run uh the business it's called your exceptional relationship because we've been like, I'm, I'm just, I'm in the middle of describing our hell, right? This is our <laughs> perfect hell that we went through. It's like perfect hell with the devil at the thing and then like all the fire and everything. We were scorching ourselves so badly. Um, anyways, but that's, that's the worst. That was the worst time, right? And from there, we learned so much. We learned so, so much. And even though we've made so much progress in our different aspects of our life, we realize now, you know, that we made the biggest transformation in our in our intimate relationship, in our romantic relationship, because we were at the lowest low to now being so aware and almost like having a hygienic relationship, as in, no, we don't put up with bickering. No, we don't put up with passive aggressiveness because we know that it's coming from fear. It's not coming from love. And there's so much space and time and energy you can actually free up the moment you stop fighting and this moment you stop spiraling in that way that destructive way 
yeah, so that's that's the relationship coaching yeah. that we do now. I find it really interesting that you're taking like almost a life experience, and I think you you you're both predisposed probably to be a bit more, I guess, coach oriented and trying to to give advice to people when they need this. But it's interesting that you've taken the experience of how you've. I don't want to call it fail because you didn't fail. You you went through a lot together, but you're taking that and now packaging it into something that could potentially help other relationships. And I'm cognizant that we have been in this pandemic, you know, from the majority of 2020. And there are a lot of relationships that are really being tested. And I know that relationships can be such a testing measure on all of us, like in every way, shape and form, it's a really exhausting thing in a normal experience, but add being locked down together, being in the house together all the time, potentially just being somewhere that you're not as comfortable with. There's a lot of tumult that can come. So, you know, given what you've seen, given the, the world that we've seen it in the last year, like, what do you say to people when, when they come to you and say, look, lockdown's been really tough? Even if we're struggling in this time where we're quarantined with our partner, it's still an opportunity that it's so rare. It's so rare to have this time together, to be forced to be together. It really is. So even if it brings up old conflicts or patterns or it drives you crazy or whatever challenge that you're facing, either within you or between you and your partner, the conflicts that might be coming up, this is the time to learn to face it together, like as a team and not to run away because you're forced now. Yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, a lot of people are struggling, but that's because we can't distract ourselves like we used to with work, with overworking, with, oh, let me hang out with my friends and ignoring someone's texts and that kind of thing. You know, we can't run away. So the discomfort that you're feeling is the confrontation, just a problem in your palm right in Mm -hmm. front of you. So, What I'm saying is that you're given this really, really rare opportunity right now and you can do something about it to actually talk to one another and really say what you feel and really work as a team. Every day of this particular pandemic feels like it's been a week. So inevitably, all the time that you're spending with somebody could be the accelerated relationship. And we joke with like other people who have gotten puppies or or having babies or moved in together quickly. it's, it's like, would you have done this normally? But it's almost this blessing in disguise because you get to um, really accelerate the experience you have with a person. There's a thing I wanted to ask you, given your position on relationships and, and your history of them. And, and sort of, there's this concept that we have in, in I think, a lot in Western society. Um, and I say Western sort of like loosely because it does exist pretty much everywhere. But the idea is that your relationship is like an all-enveloping thing. This person needs to be like your best friend, they need to be your confident, they need to be your workout buddy, they have to be the person that challenges you, they have to be your sous chef, as your husband was. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think of it? Do you do you think that's fair? I feel like and in my head on a logical brain, it says that's ridiculous to expect to have one friend to do all the, the things that a group of friends would have done. But at the same time, I, I feel like it's just such a natural thing that we've been programmed to think. This question is very similar to kind of like a dating question. Like what what would you put on your your dating profile if you were looking for your a perfect partner? Would mm-hmm. he have to list or she have to list that you just listed my everything, my sous chef, my best friend, my my rock climbing partner, all of that, right? And what I've noticed, and this didn't used to be like this. Like a few decades ago it was different. If you read like 
a dating profile or someone's dream man or dream partner, it's like, he will do this for me. She will do that for me. She has this, she's that, and what he'll provide and he'll love me this way and he'll cherish me this way. Well, wait a second. What the heck will you give into the relationship? <laughs> it's all about that other person giving to you, providing for you, loving you, caring for you, doing all these things, being all these things for you. That's what we're looking for in a partner. Shouldn't we be thinking, what do I feel pulled to give to them? What love do I have to share with someone else? You know, what do I want to create with someone else? And I think that needs to shift. That needs to shift. Because in a way, so many people look for love to complete themselves. They really do. Deep down, people want someone to complete themselves, right? So my question is, what is it that you need for you and what are you outsourcing to your dream partner or your current partner yeah i want all these things but what am i also bringing and then the sum of the whole needs to be better than the two parts and i think we oftentimes forget that it's just the last bit like any advice for us um in the new quarantine affected relationships like this will all be over eventually we're all going to come out of this and what's your what's your final you know sage wisdom your your spiritual philosophical wisdom for us mm. it's how we have understood and how we work with relationships so it's like the our exceptional relationship formula and it consists of four parts doesn't matter if you're single doesn't matter if you're near divorce doesn't matter if you have a happy marriage so first no matter wh what position you find yourself in right now you might notice things you like and things you don't right in, in your mind, the thoughts you have about whether you're enough, you can you can find the right person, all that stuff. So as you pick up on those signs, like let them be little alarm bells. Take note of it. What doesn't make sense? What doesn't feel good? What doesn't feel aligned to love? What what feels more like fearful? Once you know, that's your sign to pivot. That's really important. Unless you realize that you have the power to change things, you don't. So take the information of what's happening and know, okay, I'm in a place where I can pivot from here. Now, this is the second place where now a lot more people drop off, right? Because they're not having successful relationships. They drop off because they're like, oh, things are so challenging. I don't know how to do it. Why? Because they don't know where to move towards. You just see things as a problem right now, but you don't even know where to go towards. So ask yourself, just like the conversation we're having, like, how do you want to love? How do you want to be loved? Look at the dream. Dream big. Aim for that. So now you can pivot, right? The first step. Second step, dream. Okay, where do I pivot towards? Now, a lot more people drop off at this point because they go, there's no way I can change you know, where me and my partner are at right now to that. So that's where you have to trust. You do need that trust. You need a bit of faith that you can make it through together. Otherwise, you know, it's hopeless. And so trust the process, number three. Mm -hmm. And now number four, you actually get to create it. So what are the habits? Like I told you, right? Okay, the habits were nagging, bickering, passive aggressiveness, sweeping things under the carpet, not being honest to myself. Okay, what are we creating instead? We're having meetings once a week. Not Nothing crazy, not business meeting. We just like sit down on a couch, be like, hey, how was this week? It's not to police one another and be like, you'd be perfect for me. And like, no, no, you, you act that way because we have this new standard. No, 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 it's not really that. It's like maintaining a garden. 
it's like, okay, yeah, more love is what we want. Oh, more care is what we want. Oh, that interaction we had mm, wasn't so nice. So you create that now actively, actively, actively. And the best part of this is that you're not going to get it right the first time. <laughs> so then you repeat it again, right? You kind of look at it, you pivot again. You say, oh, what's working, what's not? What feels really good and what doesn't? And then you go, oh, well, where should we go from here? You dream again. And then you trust the process, you and your partner together. And then you, again, create that. That was Natasha Jerry and her story about her exceptional relationship. You can learn more about Natasha and Yakim at the link in the show notes. If you're having a tough time with your relationship, romantic or otherwise, I think her advice rings true. Being kind is the only real tool we have right now, and we should really use it on each other as much as we can. That's it for today's story. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get the latest updates anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment and you're feeling generous, please leave a review. I'd really appreciate it, and it helps me understand how to make this show even better. For more info on me and this concept, you can visit our website at onesimplequestion.co. One Simple Question is hosted by me, Abhishek Lahoti. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in again soon, and bye for now.